from APM American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Higher education has long been an engine of social mobility in this country, but access to college varies widely depending on an applicant's place on the economic ladder, and the quality of a college education varies widely as well. Today's college choices may actually be widening the gap between haves and have-nots. That's what our guest on the podcast this week says. Suzanne Mettler just published a book called Degrees of Inequality, in which she argues that the American system of higher education is sabotaging the American dream. Suzanne Mettler is a professor of government at Cornell University. She joins me from Syracuse, New York. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Stephen. Delighted to be here. You could look at the proliferation of college choices for college goers and say that it's a good thing. Why aren't colleges engines for economic mobility anymore? There are far more college entrants today than ever before, but our college graduation rates are poor. And it turns out that when you look at who has graduated by age 24, that it's still people from the upper quarter of the income spectrum who are getting those four-year college degrees. And most everyone else is barely more likely to do so than they were in the 1970s, particularly if they're in the bottom half of the income spectrum. The public universities and colleges take in about 73% of American college students, and they have traditionally been the best deal around in terms of the cost and also really providing the ladder toward upward mobility. However, they have been suffering for the last 20 or 25 years from cuts in state budgets, and so they have squeezed resources. They're charging students much more in tuition than in the past, and that really hinders college graduation rates, particularly for low- to moderate-income people. And then the other problems are that we have the proliferation of for-profit colleges, which on the face of it look like they're really taking in low-income people and people who would not be getting college degrees otherwise, but their college graduation rates are 22 percent, and the uh, average student who actually does manage to graduate has $33,000 in debt. Is that a lot of debt compared to uh, students in public colleges? Yes, it's much more than the debt of students in public colleges. And the other problem is that the students from the for-profits have a very hard time getting jobs that enable them to pay off those debts. So their degrees seem not very widely respected by employers or they haven't obtained the skills through the training that would really enable them to qualify for jobs. So in either case, it ends up that they account for almost half of all student loan defaults, despite the fact that only about one in 10 college students attends these. And they also use one in four federal financial aid dollars. So it's a bad deal for both taxpayers and students alike. You write that the golden age of higher education was between 1960 and 1980. What set that period apart? Well, what was unique about the middle of the 20th century was that, you know, we had, we had long had a tradition in the United States of government really promoting higher education for uh, broad public purposes. But we really turned toward expanding access to higher ed from the creation of the GI Bill in 1944 up through Pell Grants in 1973. And there were several other federal student aid policies in the midst of that period. And this combined with, during that period, state 
states investing more than ever before in developing their public universities and colleges and expanding access to them. This meant that during that period, the 1960s to the 1980s, we really had higher education functioning well for more and more people across the income spectrum. And it was people who came of age and entered college during that time period who became the most highly educated of their cohort group around the world. That period, 1960 to 1980, was it good for people of color and women as well as white men? Yes, this was uh, the striking thing. When you look back to the period right after World War II, that was this era when uh, white men in particular were gaining far more access to college than ever before, regardless of their socioeconomic background and regardless of their religious background and so on. And the GI Bill was helping them to do that after World War II and the Korean War. And then you have uh, the civil rights legislation and Title IX, which opened the doors to women. And the federal student aid policies for civilians were equally open to people across Across all of these all of these groups, and so they really incorporated more and more people than ever. So it was a great opening period uh, for colleges to really open the doors to more and more Americans. Let's go back a hundred years before that, when the Morrill Act of 1862 was passed and expanded the mission or created the mission of land grant universities. Can you explain how that affected American higher education? Well, actually, if I could even go a step further back, (laughs) after uh, the American founding, we had the Northwest Ordinance, one of the the first major policies of the United States had the federal government creating incentives for states to set up institutions of higher education by giving them land grants. And so the first public universities were, in fact, created in the South during late 18th and early 19th century. And then uh, you move forward to the Morrill Act, 1862, and all of this expands dramatically. And What was uh, really significant was not only the great number of new universities and colleges uh, that were created at the public level, but also the fact that they were doing more than the traditional colleges of arts and sciences had done because they were also spreading into all sorts of applied fields that took in uh, the interests of a broader cross-section of people and uh, were really useful to economic development in the states, really providing people with the skills that could help to foster that kind of economic development. And so this was a broadening period as well. And then by the 20th century, we have the broadening of access through student aid. Back to the present, you write that the roots of the current crisis in American higher education are political. What do you mean? Yes. Unfortunately, I think we are really up against a political failure today. So we've just been talking about how we have this magnificent American tradition of investment in higher education from the Northwest Ordinance up through the GI Bill and Pell Grants. What's happened in the decades since 1980 is that we still have our major public policies for higher ed on the books, but they're not functioning as well as they did in the past to keep expanding access to more and more Americans. And what they need is a lot of of updating and renovating. And the problem is that's not happening. And it's not happening because of two characteristics of our contemporary politics. 
One is the sharp partisan polarization in Washington. The other problem is what I'm calling plutocratic governance. On the rare occasions when members of the two parties do come together, they tend to be responsive not to the interests of ordinary Americans, but rather to those powerful vested interests that actually stand to make a profit off of the existing system. And so because of of that dance of polarization and plutocratic governance, we're not effectively updating our policies and we're falling behind. Well, given that difficult dynamic you've just described, what do you think can be done? I guess the message of my book ultimately is a clarion call to say, look, here's a policy area in which the United States was long an international leader. It goes very much to the heart of American values to use higher education, to promote economic development, uh, to, to advance equal opportunity, to promote civic leadership and engagement. And we need to find ways to do so in our own time. Suzanne Mettler, thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Suzanne Mettler is a professor of government at Cornell University, a fellow at the Century Foundation, and the author of several books about inequality in higher education, including a new one, Degrees of Inequality. A note of disclosure, some of her research was funded by the Spencer Foundation, which also supports American Radio Works, but the foundation does not influence our coverage. You can find more podcasts about issues in K-12 and post-secondary education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and you can follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and Lumina Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.